Hello, I'm Elliot Knight, Director of the Alabama State Council on the Arts. Welcome to Alabama Arts Radio. Each week, Council staff will introduce you to exceptional artists and special people who make the arts happen in Alabama. Alabama Arts Radio features the visual, performing, literary, and folk arts that contribute to our state's rich cultural heritage. Join us each Wednesday at 9 p.m. Central to explore the diverse and dynamic arts landscape in Alabama. Tonight, we hear more from Ann Kimsey and folklorist Joey Brackner, who will retire from the Alabama State Council on the Arts at the end of December. Joey reflects on his work of over three decades at the council and discusses the current state of folk life studies in Alabama. It's been, you know, it's been a journey. In the 36 years I've worked here, you start out with film cameras and reel-to-reel recorders, and now we're working solely with digital media. Yeah, it's, it's been quite a trip. Before we leave the pottery, would you mention the names of the books again and where they could be purchased right. the so, publisher? Yeah, so, so Alabama Folk Pottery is avail- available from the University of Alabama Press or any online book distributor. And so will Meals and Mud. It's also a University of Alabama Press book. They're very interested in Alabama subjects and they've worked with me in the past and they really have enjoyed this whole Jerry Brown book project and so those are available and and actually Mules and Mud is already online for a pre-publication price if you want to pre-order but yes. That's obviously a very important project to you and, and your life's work. What are some of the other projects that you are proudest of? Well, I think that my other really strong interest, which strikes a lot of people as funny, is graveyards and graveyard decorations because growing up in Alabama in the northern part of the state and going all my life to funerals and decoration days, the cemetery landscape is very important to, I would say, the majority of Alabamians in a way that it may not be important to some other Americans. And so when I went to grad school, you know, I started looking at folk traditions and how they might tie into cemeteries and graveyards, and and I was, you know, amazed. It made me realize that I am a part of a folk community, that I have been taught traditional ways of learning, as we all have, no matter who you are, no matter where you are in the world. But, But, you know, that realization led me to the cemetery in that it's a beloved place, it's not a scary place. And so I've done several things. I've, done, I've worked with cities like I worked with Tuscaloosa and working with their Greenwood Cemetery. I've worked here in Montgomery with projects related to Oakwood Cemetery. I've given many, many talks. I've given several talks through the years to the Alabama Cemetery Preservation Alliance, an outstanding group that has county a network of someone in every county in the state, just incredibly well-organized group of people who also love cemeteries. And some people love it because they're genealogists, and some people love it because they like, you know, the statuary that can be found in some cemeteries. But I like cemeteries because you can look at a cemetery and you can learn so much about that community in a way that gives you time depth. Because the cemetery is created by the living. It's a repository for dead people, but people go there to remember. And, you know, funerals themselves can be very sad, 
But the other times that, that people go to cemeteries uh, can be very joyous and educational, instructive. And so uh, I have written on tombstone carvers, on especially decoration days. I've worked with you on some radio projects about decoration day. You did a fabulous one that NPR picked up and aired nationally. And of course, we did a Journey Proud episode on decoration day. And it got one of the biggest responses because everybody called up and said, I go to the third Sunday in, in May at thus and such church, you know. And it struck a heart strain for so many people. And so, yeah, I'll probably do some more work on those kind of subjects. I'm interested in the preservation of our cemeteries and the grave houses and the things in the cemetery that you have to maintain or they'll go away. It's like preserving an historic neighborhood. You know, sometimes there are tough choices you have to make, but this down to the community, you know, the community to do that and the cemetery committees, you know, there's a lot of responsibilities on their shoulders. So, you know, I'm interested in all that kind of conservation of our cultures. I want Alabamians to be aware of their cultural tradition. I don't want to stop time. I don't want to go back in time. But I do want Alabamians to be proud of various traditions, especially our music, craft, and culinary traditions, because they're so beautiful. But some of them wane, some of them disappear. And I'm not fighting against a torrent of, of time rushing by. I just want people to look, to stop, to examine, to educate themselves about, because these traditions tell us a lot about people and ha how they've lived in a certain place over a period of time. And that's really what's so beautiful about them. And so if in the work that we do here, and I've worked with so many people here and in other agencies and organizations, the things we've done, we've just tried to help people understand why do people do these things? How did they get here? Who are some of the most talented practitioners of these traditions? And so I feel like we've done a good job, especially when we partner up. Like, for example, when we helped the Alabama Folklife Association start a journal. Because people were doing research. Professors were doing research. Graduate students were doing research. But just regular folks who weren't academically trained were doing research. We wanted a place to put that research if they were producing something in an article form. And I think Tributaries, the Journal of the Alabama Folklife Association, has been an extremely successful outlet for all manner of people across the state of Alabama to document maybe their own family tradition or something that is beloved or that they got interested in. It's a wonderful resource. So we've had nationally known scholars publish articles in tributaries as well as people who their only publication is in tributaries and everything in between. I think it's been a wonderful group effort by people who just love Alabama and its history and traditions. I'll have to say that is one of my favorite projects that you and I have worked on together and, and Dan Boykin and of course Emily. And Those editorial meetings are a lot of fun <laughs> and, and you're still on the tributaries board and I know that they're still fun and yeah we I, I, I uh, really enjoyed that because it's fun to see the way people present their research and it's also fun to getting back with them and saying what do you mean by this you know and then it helps them make their article better and then it teaches us and I learned a lot about different things you've got more editorial skills than I do <laughs> I was better at soliciting articles than, than being the editor but that's part of an editorial 
a duty as well. So You know, you mentioned some of the folks that this may be their only publication, but the folks that are studying their own communities, own traditions, I know you were helpful in working another partnership on community scholars. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. You know, around the country, folklorists, uh, what you and I do is called public folklore. In other words, we don't teach classes at a university like some folklorists do. We work for a public agency. There are folklorists at the Smithsonian, at the Library of Congress, at the National Park Service, and at state government level like you and I. And so one of the things that public folklorists have done through the country is taught people research skills. And anybody, it could be a school teacher, it could be a teenager, it could be a retired person who always wanted to do some kind of documentary project, make a film, do an exhibit, produce a festival in their community. And so the Community Scholars Institute is something that the Alabama Folklife Association has produced through the years and will continue to produce. Not every year, but every two or three years, they will do this residential sometimes week-long, sometimes longer, series of workshops where people like myself and you and, and others who either will teach them about audio recording, photography, doing an exhibit, doing a festival, how to archive your materials after you collect them, you know, how do you get funding to do something like an exhibit in a local museum. All those topics are covered, and it has produced so many wonderful productions by people in their own communities. And during the Alabama's bicentennial year, the bicentennial process, the, the whole big shebang, actually encouraged people to do just that. But the Alabama Folklife Association was doing that way back in uh, the late 1990s, I think, was the first one. And then they continued on right up until three years ago was the last one. The pandemic has kept AFA from doing one. But absolutely, you're right. That's that public-private partnership that it's it's almost a force magnifier. You've got the stability of a state agency under whose aegis you can do something, but you've got the flexibility of, of a nonprofit organization who can do other fundraising or can work with local leaders on getting a dorm rooms, for example, at a small college where people can stay during the summer when they're attending a community scholars institute. So if that's the kind of thing that interests any of you out there listening to this program, you know, keep up with the Alabama Folklife Association, alabamafolklife.org, for any news along those lines, because when they do a Community Scholars Institute, you'll hear about it. It's a great source, resource for information on a wide variety of Alabama traditions. And they could also email you, Joey Brackner, or, or me, Ann Kimsey, at the State Arts Council. I'm so you could go online and find our email addresses. But where do you see the future of the field of studying folk and traditional arts? Where do you, where do you see that headed? I think that I actually see it continuing to grow modestly. It's grown modestly but steadily through in 35-plus years that I've been a public folklorist. I think that the subjects of study will continue to broaden out. I think people more and more are looking at food as an art form, for example, and so arts agencies will start engaging that kind of topic, not in a way that disrupts their other programming, but folklorists, I think, they're in a, such a great position because of their training to recognize productions of culture like tattoos or food or things that, you know, graffiti, anything that they will look at. And also notice emerging traditions. You know, hip-hop has been around for a while. It's from the ground up. 
you know. And uh, it's not imposed from the top down. It's a community tradition that has all these little variations, both in the music and the culture, the dress, the dance, everything. I'm not a hip-hop scholar, but there are hip-hop scholars, and there are many folklorists who study hip-hop, and it's a very rich area of study. Another really rich area of study are the newer immigrant groups who have come into Alabama. We had a huge infusion of Asian communities after the Vietnam War, especially on the coast of Alabama. And they have been very much involved in the seafood industry and other things in primarily South Mobile County. But they brought music traditions, craft traditions, food traditions with them. And they're Alabamians, and those now are Alabama traditions. I mean, you know, in 1580, there was no fiddle music in Alabama. That came with some immigrants. Well, these newer immigrants have brought their traditions, and so whether they're from Mexico or whether they're from Cambodia, they brought things to Alabama that we will assimilate some things. They will keep some things that may not get assimilated. I have a neighbor who observes the Day of the Dead, and she posted on Facebook her five-year-old daughter with her Day of the Dead altars with great-grandparents' photographs and candles. And, you know, I doubt that my grandchildren will do that, but who knows? But that's her tradition. She's of Me- Mexican heritage and has moved to Montgomery with her husband. So those traditions are portable. It's fascinating. I know you've worked with classical Indian dancers and folk dancers as well from India, as well as other traditions of the Indian community that have been brought in. It's fascinating. I, I knew nothing of it and only has seen it through Western eyes. But when you have the actual dancer trained in India standing in front of you who can speak English and can explain to you the, the metaphorical meaning of a particular dance and how it relates to either religion, mythology, folktale, whatever it might be from her native country, it is extremely invigorating, it's it's exciting intellectually, and it's beautiful visually. So I've enjoyed getting to know a little. Again, I'm not a scholar of any of these new immigrant traditions. And the one that has been the slowest to kind of develop, and this is not uh, surprising are graveyard traditions among immigrants. Only now are we seeing some cemetario-type landscapes in Alabama. Even back during the World War II period when Mexicans came to Alabama and worked, I have collected stories where when they passed away, of course, their bodies were sent back to Mexico. And in fact, that continued that worker tradition, immigrant workers who have died in the 1970s, 1980s, back to Mexico or wherever. Now families are coming here, they're staying. There are funerals, interments, and traditions that are beginning to develop here. So that's all fascinating to me and just shows an Alabama that's like every other place in the world. It's changing. And I think Sometimes it takes some systematic observation to understand why places change and how they're changing. And it's not scary. It shouldn't be scary. It should be fascinating. And I think it's going to make Alabama a more interesting place culturally.
What do you see as some of your next goals in retirement, or are you just going with the flow? What, what do you? I'm going with the flow, but I do have some loose ends to tie up. I have, you know, a lot of field work material that I did before I took this job, and then during my pottery research, which I did kind of outside this job because it was more historical than working with living artists. And so I have a lot of transcripts and audio tapes to take to an archive. I have surface collections of pottery production sites that are carefully labeled, but those need to be photographed and then given to an archive. A Moundville wants them. Moundville is the statewide archaeological repository. They're the place that gives out site numbers. And so I want to make sure that they have all of these places I know about in their system. Uh, You know, my job just never allowed for that. Uh, I've worked with archaeologists because they know I know about pottery of the 1800s especially, but I've, I've just always been too busy to take it that next level and make sure that all of those places have site numbers and GPS coordinates and that these broken pieces of pottery that had been made there are in a place identified with that particular pottery factory. And so it's important in a lot of ways. It's important to protect those archaeological resources. It's important for scholars so that they can use what's been sitting in sacks and bags and things in my house for three decades that they'll have access to when they're trying to figure out something about a local pottery tradition, for example. I know it's esoteric, but you know everyone has a little nerd trail that they go down, and this one is mine. <laughs> so I, so I'm, I'm going to do all that because I feel like it's my responsibility. I've been working on tying off loose ends here at the office of, you know, photographs that need to be described more fully that are in the state archives now, things of that nature. So I'm trying, as I've told my friends like you and others, I'm trying to retire the right way. And But I also want to have a post-retirement so that any other additional loose ends, I probably need to, you know, distribute artwork that I have accumulated through the years, sell or give to museums and so forth. So there's all that kind of downside my wife and I would like to travel, so, but we're keeping it very open and loose. So what do you feel like your legacy is from your 36 years at the State Arts Council? Well, I, I feel like, and it's not just my legacy, but I was part of this whole movement of people studying their own culture, the, the culture of their own state. I should say their own cultures, plural. And I feel like just having, you know, a division of a state arts council last for 30-plus years, the stability of that is something to build on. So I think just simply leaving a place that is still very much being productive and allowing for new people to come in and work alongside you and others, because there's a lot of work to be done, especially with the newer immigrant groups. But there's so many immigrant groups in Alabama that people don't even know of unless you're right there amongst them. And there are also old root traditions that still need to be studied. Folk tales, music traditions that have not been documented enough. So there's just a world of things. There's ritual. There's there's all kinds of ritual traditions that have changed. We may not recognize them as something very old, but they could be. And so uh, I just think, you know, there's just a lot of good material out there for people to work with. I hope that, you know, just my staying here for such a long time has helped add some stability to that. Uh, Certainly the directors that I've worked under have been totally supportive. And in fact, the, the man who hired me, Al Head, was actually kind of known 
for his support of traditional arts programming, folk arts programming, and the other places that he had worked. And when he came to Alabama, he strengthened what was already here. And at Elliott Knight, the new director, is the same way. He's very much into uh, documenting, presenting our local culture as best we can in, in doing even more research. He's particularly interested in doing more research. and is If we can just fight our way out of this pandemic period into a way to keep doing research on the way people live, culturally, especially cultural traditions in particular. So how do you feel like Alabama is, is known nationally for, I mean, which traditions? I think our flagship traditions really probably, if you really pushed me on it, would be sacred harp singing and quilt making. To be more specific, white sacred harp singing these days and African-American quilt making. And a subset of that African-American quilt making would be narrative quilts, quilts that tell stories, like the great late Nora Ezell and the current quilt master Yvonne Wells and many others. Uh, but the whole G's Bend phenomena, I think, which we had very little to do with other than we had worked with some of those artists before. But that's the power that art has, that a little community like that, that happens to have a distinctive tradition, recognizable tradition, can just blow up like that in popularity and notoriety. And it's so wonderful. And it was all because of museum exhibits and books that came out. And people were looking at this traditional quilting and thinking, that looks like abstract art. I mean, I can't stop looking at it. And then, of course, films and postage stamps dedicated to them. And a new generation of those quilters coming up. There's like three generations of them working right now. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. You know, it's something that Alabamians should be really proud of. So, yeah, but even before the whole G's Ben quilt exhibits and touring happened, people knew Alabama for its African-American quilting. And we should still be known for both of those art traditions. So you've dedicated the majority of your career working at a state agency in support of art and culture and having you in your job at the State Arts Council and working with you and all the other people who've worked with you. You have contributed to everybody's quality of life and I know we all wish you well in the future and hope we will stay in touch and I'm, I'm sure you will be around and still involved. I will be and thank you for your kind comments. Thank you. Alabama Arts comes to you from the Alabama State Council on the Arts and the Alabama Center for Traditional Culture. Technical production by Deb Boykin. Series theme music, The Bounds of Beauty, written and performed by Scooter Muse.
Tonight on Alabama Arts, Ann Kimsey and Joey Brackner continue their conversation. Joey, who will retire from the Alabama State Council on the Arts at the end of December, reflects on his three decades of work at the council and discusses the current state of folk life studies in Alabama. I want Alabamians to be aware of their cultural tradition. I don't want to stop time. I don't want to go back in time. But I do want Alabamians to be proud of various traditions, especially our music, craft, and culinary traditions, because they're so beautiful. But some of them wane, some of them disappear. And I'm not fighting against a torrent of time rushing by. I just want people to look, to stop, to examine because these traditions tell us a lot about people and how they've lived in a certain place over a period of time. But first, the news. This week on Alabama Arts, folklorist Joey Brackner reflects on his work of over three decades at the Alabama State Council on the Arts. I want Alabamians to be aware of their cultural tradition. I don't want to stop time. I don't want to go back in time. But I do want Alabamians to be proud of various traditions, especially our music, craft, and culinary traditions. That's Wednesday, 9 p.m. Central on Troy Public Radio.